Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. edition of Patriots Beat here on the CLNS Radio Network. I am your host, Jeff Kane at Boston Fat Guy on Twitter. Joining me tonight, as always, is Bobby Kavitsky at Bobby underscore K91. You can find him on Twitter as well. And we've been joined by the one and only Patrick Shankauer, who, of course, I'm half lit and can't remember what his uh, <laughs> Twitter <laughs> handle is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I'll throw it there. I'll give you a, a pass, Jeff. You can find me at pshankor14, at p-s-h-a-n-k-h-o-u-r-1-4. Thank you for the lovely intro, Jeff. You're welcome. So, <laughs> Patriots Beat today is brought to you by our friends over at harrys.com. Wake up to a beautiful shave by going to harrys.com. Harry's was started by two guys who know a lot about the razor business. They went out, they got some German engineered razor blades. They've sent some to me for free to try out. And because of that, I became a customer of Harry's. I suggest you go to harrys.com, use the promo code Patriots and get $5 off your first purchase. That's a month worth of shaving for just $10. If you go with the starter set, I highly recommend it. It'll give you a nice, clean shave. Patrick Shankow should probably buy it because he likes to shave his head. He's an ugly bastard. Absolutely. But uh, <laughs> there we go. <laughs> this is our swan song. Uh, Bobby and I are leaving Patriots beat, um, and we're leaving it in good hands, as I'm sure Nick Gelso, uh, Ty Ray, and Sean Backey will definitely be giving uh, it a great send-off as, uh, as they will get some new guys in here to – typically and take care of us and uh you know bobby and i and uh just want to say thank you to all the fans that have really drove the numbers for years um it's been great so we decided to bring in patrick uh, shankauer as well patrick who is in his final year at uh, at school and going to be moving on to something else for those of you who know patrick and i um did a lot of patriots post game shows so 
Figured I'd bring the trio in here tonight, and we'd talk a little bit about the New England Patriots. Heartbreaking season-ending loss, 20-18 to to the Denver Broncos. I'll bring in Bobby Kravitsky first. Bobby, hello. How's it going, Jeff? And yeah, just my takeaway was something that you preach all the time, the importance of the running game. The lack of it burned them in Denver two seasons ago. It burned them again on Sunday because that offensive line had no chance going up against the Denver pass rush. They couldn't adjust the snap count because of inexperience up front and the crowd noise in Denver. And as a result, it was a long day for Tom Brady and that Patriots offense that finally broke through with a touchdown at the end of the game, but it was too little too late. Definitely was. Patrick, your thoughts on the debacle in Denver? I'm going to also um, you know, preach a lesson here from the school of Jeff Kane, hashtag lessons from Kane, but a little, <laughs> a little different. I wasn't as mad at the running game as I was at the offensive play calling. You know, it was evident even before the game started that Denver's defense was the strength of their team and that Tom Brady would spend a lot of the game on the ground. And we talked about it in our uh, Pages B group message off, uh, off air. Where were the screen passes to Julian Edelman or to James White? The Patriots love to use the screen and the short passes as their running game. And that was a game in Denver where they were going to have success running the ball. And we've seen them in the past when, when they want to get, you know, three, four, five yards at a time run those screenplays, and we did not see one screen, I don't think, the entire game. So that was my my biggest um, pet peeve in the game. And like you said, um, Googs, the offensive line coach, gets the axe, when in reality, Patriot fans are very quiet on Josh McDaniels keeping his role as the offensive coordinator for the New England Patriots. Yeah, there's an ESPN New Hampshire article dropping from the, your one and only myself, <laughs> um, which will, uh, will, will diagnose a little of Josh McDaniels and the reasons why I believe that he should no longer be the Patriots offense coordinator, but I digress because Tom Brady spent more time on his back than you would if Devin McCourty walked into the uh, room naked. <laughs> what can I say? I love me some Devin McCourty. <laughs> <laughs> For those of you who don't know, we, uh, we love to bash Patrick because his pure love for Devin McCourty, um, it rivals it, it rivals a little Brokeback Mountain, wouldn't you say, Bobby? I would have to agree with you on that. I can only imagine, Jeff, what's going to happen if the Patriots land Jason McCourty in the offseason. Oh, my God. You guys will never hear the end of it. If the Patriots land Jason McCourty in the offseason, oh, oh their words aren't even available to my mind of the things that could happen if that was a reality. <laughs> You all know how I use hashtag Patsgasm. It'll be hashtag MacGasm. I mean, <laughs> Patrick will be like drooling at the mouth. So he'll be sitting there, you know, oh, he'll have one of those half jerseys, you know. It'll say, uh, you know, D-Mac and J-Mac, and he'll be all up in uh, in the Mac of uh, Mama Mac, you know. <laughs> Jesus. But again, you know, it's it's so tough. You know, you follow this team all year long. Um, I think we all, after, you know, the year that they had in the off season, 
you know, after the whole deflate gate stuff and, you know, Roger Goodell coming out and suspending Brady for four games, it getting changed by uh, Judge Berman, you know, a week before the season started. And, you know, Patrick, you were 19 and 0 and Bobby, you were right, right there beside him. Oh, and yeah. I was sitting there, sitting there telling you guys, guys, no one goes 19 and 0. It just doesn't happen. And it's bo- you know, they should have went 19 and 0. Jeff, if they win that Denver game, they go 19 and 0 and you know it. If they were healthy, I think they had a very legitimate chance at it. Absolutely. Think about it, Jeff. If they were healthy the whole season and they are 17-0 and going into that Denver game at home, it's a different ball game, and they're going into San Francisco 18-0 and right now, and that's Great. a guarantee. Yeah, and Billy Wyatt's, you know, warming up his jaw. But <laughs> <laughs> I'm coming for you, Billy. <laughs> A little inside joke there, ladies and gentlemen. But no, as as we sit there and, you know, it, it was just such a tough season. I, I, guys, you're right. I mean, the injuries, the, the fortitude that this team showed, even though, you know, they got, I mean, it was one after another. It was like Nate Soldier goes down. Next thing you know, um, you know, Ryan Wendell's on IR. And you're like, all right, where's the offensive line going to happen? And then, you know, Dion Lewis sits back and, and, he blows out a knee, and we're like, all right, well, uh, James White's going to be great. And he was. And then all of a sudden, Julian Edmond breaks, uh, breaks a foot, and it's like, all right, what the hell is going on here? You know, it, and I, I remember I sat there and I said, you know, someone's going to pay for this. The strength and conditioning coach just doesn't know what he's going to do. Uh, he has since been let go by the team. But, uh, guys, I mean, really, if you couldn't have bad luck, the fact that the Patriots even got to the AFC Championship game, and lost by two, you know, two points. You just, you can't make this shit up. Yeah, Jeff, I think it's a testament to Bill Belichick, the GM, for being able to supply this team with enough depth to withstand all the injuries that they experienced. And you said the word luck involved in it. And while it certainly is part of the equation, clearly Belichick also views it as, conditioning and preparation and things you can do to prevent and manage these injuries and the health of the roster. And that's why Harold Nash gets the pink slip. Yeah, it's definitely. I mean, Patrick, even, even your boy, you know, D-Mac, he, he pulled up lame with a high ankle sprain. That was, that was a tough day in my household. We, we had to mourn the loss for a couple of weeks, but going back really briefly, I'm not going to talk about 19 to no, but going back to that sort of idea I think it, it speaks volumes now that the season has ended and you saw all the Patriot players come out on social media and, and in interviews saying how much they wanted this game and how tough it was, but how much the lo- how, lo- how close the locker room was. And I think, and I, and I would have loved to have heard the conversation going out of training camp into the regular season of what Bill Belichick and those guys were saying about going into the season, about the, the screw you tour, the revenge tour, you know, going after the NFL and you saw it every week in the first three, four, five weeks of the season. They were relentless. They put up 51 points against Jacksonville. They were going after teams. And even when they lost Deion Lewis, and even when they lost uh, all of these guys, they were still winning games and finding ways to win. And, you know, if the, if the ball turns out or if, um, you know, the extra point goes in against Denver, maybe it's a different conversation. But I think this is one of the, the most close close-knit Patriot teams that you had. And even Bill Belichick has come out uh, even today on WEI and was saying how proud he was of this team, really giving so much praise to a team I haven't heard him give praise to 
in a long time. And I think if they can keep the core intact and they can keep most of these players on lock, which they should be, their biggest free agent, in my opinion, going forward is LeGarrette Blunt. And was, you know, considering that, that's not that big of a deal. I think if they can bring the core of this team back, they're going to cause even more hell if they're healthy next season. Patrick, I think you can also look at the championship character of this team showing itself in losses throughout the regular season. Absolutely. For, for example, that game against Philadelphia, which was a bit of an anomaly where everything goes wrong and they're not executing. All of a sudden, they still come back and find a way to give themselves a chance to win that game. Game, they end up only losing by a score in a game that when you just look at the statistics, they should have gotten blown out, and most teams would have. It, and Jeff, I'm going to cut you off before you even talk. You just did, you asked. Yeah, because I, I love to do that. But even the Denver game, you know, four days ago, you talk about a team that had nothing going on. Tom Brady, according to Jeff Howe, took 25 quarterback hits. 25 hits in one game. That is remarkable. And they had how many? 17 fourth downs in the fourth quarter in the last two minutes. And just the conversions they make. Rob Gronkowski down the side, the middle of the field on that big fourth and ten. Again, on the goal line, fourth and goal, coming back out of nowhere making that touchdown catch. In games in which they are out of it and they are dead, they somehow find a way to cut it to having a one play, one chance. And even that Philadelphia game, they're down by two, three scores. They come back, onside kick, get the ball back. You know, they're rolling. It's, it's remarkable. This team is never out of a game, no matter how many points they're down by, no matter what the situation is. They're always going to find a way with Tom Brady at the helm and Bill Belichick as the coach. They'll always find a way to make it interesting and make it come down to the final seconds of a game. You know, guys, one thing I want to say before we start moving on towards, uh, you know, the offseason and, and what we can look forward to is, you know, Patrick, you, you came out and said that, the, you know, the revenge tour and what they were doing in the first couple weeks of the season and, you know, throwing the ball all over the place – how much do you guys think, and I look at it as, you know, they wanted to embarrass teams. I mean, they came out and, you know, they, they won that first game 28-21 to against uh, Pittsburgh, a game that was, you know, a lot closer than, uh, you know, a lot bigger than the final score. The score was, you know, 28-21. to It's a late touchdown there. But the following week in Buffalo, um, they turn around and then, they're winning 32 to 14, I believe it was, or 32 to 17, uh, and they just keep passing. Remember, fourth down and one, you know, they're passing deep down the seam on, on back-to-back passes to to Julian Edelman to try to run the score up. How much do you think? And I might just be a conspiracy theorist here, but they were trying to embarrass people, and I think it was a detriment to the team because the team never quite learned how to close people out with you know, running the ball and, and, and developing that physical attitude. And, and, and as, as great as the team was and as great as fantasy football people like to see, you know, the big scores and people think it's Madden offense, you know, going back and forth, I, I look at it and, and I really think that, you know, this throw it out and embarrass people, um, you know, beginning of the season was a detriment to the team and a detriment to the offensive line that never truly learned how to be physical. Jeff, I don't think it was a lesson this team didn't learn as much as it was an ability it didn't have. Against Buffalo, that was a team and a coach in Rex Ryan they tried to embarrass and run up the score on and make a statement against, and it almost backfired in their face. So from there, they began toning it down a little bit. I know they scored 51 against Jacksonville, but part of that was the ineptitude of the Jaguars. But ultimately... Once they lost LeGarrette Blount, they didn't have that running game to be 
able to ice a game in the fourth quarter when they have a big lead and put it away the old-fashioned way. So it was just simply a skill set this team didn't really have. The run blocking wasn't there this season. The running back wasn't there. They just didn't have the skill or the talent to be able to do so. I, I agree with Bobby, but I also look at it now that you bring it up, Jeff, and I've thought about this in the past, but when you go back to 2007 in Spygate, and you remember some of those games that they're up 59 nothing to, um, or not 59 nothing, but 52 to seven against Washington, and they kept throwing the ball. In, in those years, they had a great offensive line, and at that time, Lawrence Maroney had a pretty. That was his best season as a Patriot. I'm pretty sure it was 2007. I think the two biggest common denominators from 2007 and 2013 or in 2015 were Tom Brady and Josh McDaniels. I think that these guys, they're buddy buddies, and, and Brady's a guy we all know that. As much as the offense is, is um, given to him, he, he makes changes at the line. He, he controls what plays run. And I think that Brady, and he had all the right in the world at certain points when this, when the entire league and the entire fan base of the NFL came down on him for something that was so blown up and so unbelievably biased against him. You know, I, any, any guy in that situation would say, you know what, I'm going to come out here and I'm going to show the world that I'm the best quarterback and I don't need, you know, deflated balls. I can, I can sling anything that you give me. And when you go back to years after Josh McDaniels left, years where Billy O'Brien was the offensive coordinator, when he was up in his face against Washington in 2013, you don't see Josh McDaniels doing that because they're buddy-buddy. And if Brady says, I'm going to go out there and chuck it on fourth and one, you don't think Josh McDaniels is going to stop him? You know, Edelman and Brady, they touch, on, on, they touch on it all the time. You know, the bromance between Brady and McDaniels is huge. And I don't think anyone is there in that locker room right now, maybe outside of Bill Belichick, that'll tell Brady, listen, you know, we're going to punt it. We're going to run the ball. And, and even Belichick, I think, at this point says, I have enough faith in the guy that's won four Super Bowls to go out and get it done. There's no one out there in that locker room that will say, listen, Brady, let, let's, let's punt the ball here. We have, we have a great defense. And do I blame Brady? No, because if no one tells him no, why, why would he not do it? And like I said, the NFL was against him this year. So while I do agree that they didn't have the type of personnel that they usually have when they lost LeGarrette Blount and they lost Nate Solder and they lost all these guys in the offensive line, I still think a part of it goes on to Brady and McDaniels trying to say, you know what, we can get a, we can get three yards by passing the ball, or or we can get another touchdown here because let's just embarrass embarrass every team in the league. Maybe I'm stupid. I don't know. Yeah, you are. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> this is not a podcast featuring three intellects. <laughs> and I'm wicked smart. How you like the apples? <laughs> oh my god. Well, you know, I mean, the, the fact is. I'm not one of those guys who's got a four-year degree and works at Olympia Sports. You know, I don't <laughs> Oh, my God. It's a good thing this is your last show, Jeff. Oh, my Lord. Patriots <laughs> be going out with a bang. A big bang. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm actually really upset that we didn't get to go to that great comic fest on Sunday. Instead, we had to watch the Patriots game. I'm pretty upset over that. That was you know, a I'll huge disappointment. It was a disappointment, but... You know what? I I love the, I love comic books. I've never actually read one, but I like the movies. The movies, are, you know, like Captain America is cool. I like that. You know, there's some hot babes in Captain America. America. <laughs> you know, no, the Scar Joe man, she's so hot. Oh man, she's beautiful. Maybe we should bring it back to the Patriots. So seeing as this is Patriots beat, Jeff. Well, that's you know, Captain America. He wears red, red, white, and blue. I just love it. Oh my god. <laughs> All right. Gregory Michael. 
Uh, if you guys could only see what we could see, but it, it, you know, it, it. Let's just let's just talk about this because let's move past you know Captain America. Um, go to your local Olympia Sports and, and and get yourself your your Patriots you know shirt next year. Get ready to go because here's what you got. We got the Patriots coming up next year. Brady's going to be 39 years old. And Patrick, you brought up a great thing about you know Brady being the best quarterback in the league. But at some point, Father Time is going to catch up with him. Tebow Time. <laughs> I will never let it go. He will be back in a Patriot uniform soon, and we can rejoice at a 19-0 season with Tim, Tim Tebow. Tim Tebow, yes, you took it right out of mouth. Tim Tebow, New England Patriots, 19-0. 20, 2019, 2018 season, 19-0 Tim Tebow. Put it on the board right now. And Tim Tebow has a better shot of getting some ass than some other people we know. People are going to listen to this, this show and say, what the hell are they laughing at? What is their problem? This is just not funny. The best part about it is is, is we think it's funny. No one else That's is all actually that gonna, No one else is actually going to think this is funny. Well, the, the guys we talk with in our, in our Facebook group will think it's funny, but... Looking at it though, I mean, let let's talk about this now. You got the Patriots; they're, you know, twelve and four for the what was that fourth year in a row. Brady throws thirty six touchdown passes versus seven interceptions. There's not a lot of holes on defense. The defense, I think, outside of you know maybe needing a third cornerback, you know, not that Justin Coleman didn't play you know fairly well this season, but you know a, a third cornerback coming in here. They're going to need someone to replace Gerard Mayo, who I can't imagine is going to be back on an $11 million, um, you know, signing bo- uh, bonus on his uh, on his contract. Um, you know, you got the defensive ends in, in, in Chandler Jones, Nikovich, and and Jabal Sheard, who I believe was the best signing of the year for the Patriots. The defense is solid. Let's look at this offense. I mean, Nate Soldier going down really was a huge trickle down effect. But let's talk about the interior line because you had Shaq Mason and Trey Jackson, both fourth-round draft picks, who got a lot of playing time this year. Josh Klein signed the two-year extension. And then you had David Andrews, who played every single snap until the second Buffalo game, and all of a sudden he's benched and we hardly see him, and Brian Stork's back in at center. Should Patriots fans be excited about the interior line? Well, I don't know how many people get excited about the interior of an offensive line, to be honest, but as much... I like to rub my interior down. I bet you do, Kane. But <laughs> as much as people like to throw out, let's sign this guy or let's go get him, as unsexy as it may sound, this Patriots offensive line is going to get better through development and con- continuity. You look at the fact that Shaq Mason is very raw when it comes to pass protection. Well, he was your best offensive lineman Sunday in Denver. He only figures to get better. The same with Trey Jackson, who was not healthy for that game. Josh Klein had a very good season, but was not the same player after suffering a shoulder injury. So this offensive line, especially on the interior, seems all set. I think they'll bring in a veteran to add to the mix, but most likely that's just going to be re-signing Ryan Wendell. Yeah, the one thing that I was curious about when they ended up bringing back Brian Stork, we saw them kind of bring in the rotation of Stork and Andrews in the, the games following. I think they had Stork at one point playing right tackle um, in a game, just showing his versatility. And my only question was, and I know that they don't want to mess up um, the continuity on the line, but when you go back to Sunday, you saw how poor 
Marcus Cannon was playing. I mean, he was clearly either injured or something was going on with Cannon. I don't understand why they didn't bring in Andrews as center and move Stork to right tackle because, you know, for how young this offensive line was and inexperienced, they did hold up pretty well throughout most of the year, and a lot of it was injury problems. Now, I know that Jeff um, Howe from um, the Boston Herald, he brought up a, a fact that if you cut Gerard Mayo and you, you let go of some players, you can get $36 million in cap room, and now you're, you've got something to work Holy with. Shite. Exactly. But the thing is, they don't, they're not going to use it on offensive line, and I don't think they should because we've seen Dante Scarnecchia, you know, at times take pieces of trash, garbage cans, and put them at the offensive line position and make them Pro Bowl caliber. So I think that... Yeah, but Scar retired. I, I know, I know, but... A couple years ago, you know, Bobby. Yeah, but my point is, if, a guy, if, if some guy can do that, then you can find somebody else that can get similar production out of better players. I'm not saying that you got to go out and get a Skarnakia or go out and get five all-pro offensive linemen. But if you can get above-average talent and bring in a good, decent offensive line coach, I think you're all set, especially when you got guys like Andrews, guys like Brian Stork. Stork, a guy who won a Super Bowl in his rookie season. You have good players in the offensive line, and they're coming back healthy. So I don't think the offensive line is going to be a problem next season as long as they can stay healthy, which, of course, is the biggest question mark. Yeah, I agree. I think, you know, really the the Patriots' interior offensive line, I think, is in good shape, uh, especially, you know, with uh, Klein, uh, Stork, Andrews. You know, these are guys that can play. Bring in Mason and Jackson in, you know, a full year in the offseason program should be good. I think the biggest thing is that third tackle. I don't think Cannon's it. I mean, he was, uh, you know – DeMarcus Ware was in the backfield and, and uh, it looked like uh, Cannon was still looking for his contact on the field. He hadn't stood up yet. So uh, I'm, I'm looking at it and, and I think a, th- a third tackle and they might already have that with uh, the kid that they traded for from uh, Detroit in Waddle. He was a pretty good right tackle in the league. Uh, he is an unrestricted free agent. But one thing to look at, guys, is the Patriots have lost uh, – Peyton Manning in the AFC Championship now three times. The previous two times in 2006, the following year, they turned around and they traded for Wes Welker. They traded for Randy Moss. They signed Adelius Thomas uh, and they signed Dante uh, Stallworth and they signed Kelly Washington and Sammy Morris to their uh, their team that year, that offseason. In 2013, they lost to Peyton Manning, and they turn around and they sign Brandon LaFell. They re-sign Julian Edelman. Um, they bring in Darrell Revis, and they bring in Brandon Browner. Uh, so if you got to have a silver lining on losing a, a AFC Championship game to Peyton Manning, usually the following off season they make a splash. And if Jeff Howe is right, there's $36 million there. Of course, some of it's going to go towards uh, you know re-signing you know your your young defensive players, but you could possibly, and I'm not saying they're going to trade for Calvin Johnson, but you could possibly get some pretty dang good players in here. Yeah. And Jeff, let's keep in mind that just because they can create 36 million in cash space doesn't mean they will actually do so. I think the Patriots have positioned themselves nicely to take care of some important contract extensions, such as Dante Hyde. Tower, Jamie Collins, Chandler Jones, they might get as many as two out of those three done. Obviously, Hightower and Collins have emerged as bigger priorities than Chandler Jones, but also I think they've positioned themselves to make a significant free agent splash, and we talk about the lack of a running game. 
I'm just saying Matt Forte is available in free agency oh, this offseason. Hot on. That, I mean, can you imagine if Matt Forte lines up in the backfield, the amount of packasms Jeff Kane is going to have? <laughs> Too many. We'll have a separate, separate group for Patrick. Take cover, New England. Patrick and McCourty, possibly the McCourty twins, and then Kane and Forte. It'd be 10 inches of snow on the ground, I'll tell you that much. Oh, my God. That's exactly what the fans of New England want to hear. Ten inches of snow coming up on the ground from yours truly, Jeff Kane. <laughs> oh, boys, boys. It'll be a very interesting offseason. There is a Super Bowl game to be played. Uh, it's coming up. Are you sure? Yeah, that's supposedly. Um, Carolina Panthers versus the Denver Broncos. Uh, let's uh, Let's hear your picks, Patrick. I know that everyone expects a blowout from Carolina. And I know that everyone wants a blowout from Carolina, especially here in New England. Uh, maybe not nationally, but locally. And I'm picking a blowout. I think Carolina is going to steamroll the Denver Broncos because Peyton Manning cannot throw the football. He was, it was evident on Sunday. He had a touchdown on the first drive of the game. Do you know how many completions and yards he finished with? Anyone want to take a guess? I have the answer for you. 17 completions for 176 yards in Denver in a playoff game. He has two touchdowns and what is it, 300 yards in two home playoff games combined. He cannot play offense anymore. It's simply that as simple as that. This defense is amazing. I will give Denver its due. They have a great defense. But Cam Newton and that Carolina team is on a mission, and they are going to steamroll the Denver Broncos defensively and offensively. I'm picking Carolina by a final score of 43 to 10. Write it down. Carolina is going to win their Super Bowl. Cam Newton's going to be dabbing right next to Roger Goodell as they celebrate the Vince Lombardi trophy. See you later, Manning. Adios. <laughs> I think that the biggest difference between Carolina and New England going up against Denver is that the Panthers have a great offensive line. They might have the best offensive line in football. They also have a great running game. So I'm going with Carolina to beat Denver because there's just not enough areas the Broncos Broncos can attack. It could certainly spiral out of control, and I wouldn't mind seeing Manning go out like that, but it's hard to predict a blowout going in, so I'm going to say that Carolina wins this one. If I had to give a score, I'll go with something along the lines of 38-17. to 17. Well, as usual, I'm going to disagree with both you idiots. <laughs> <laughs> what do you know? You're lit right now. <laughs> Why does everyone think I'm lit? Because you couldn't even start the friggin' show. That's pure moronic idiotic. That that, that has nothing to do with Budweiser. Yeah, or yeah, yeah. Pick the score, or, Jeff. Pick the score. Yeah. <laughs> Guys, you know I'm a, I'm a I'm a romantic at heart. You know I'm I'm just I'm just a, a hopeless romantic. I, I I I just hope that being nice someday brings me a nice woman. Actually, it did. It brought me my wife. Um, <laughs> dude. Many peak brews. <laughs> peak brewing was a great beer, by the way. Give but the score, Kate. I, I, <laughs> tell uh, tell Bobby to stop interrupting while I'm trying to uh, trying to read and he's typing stuff to me. But I, I sit back and I look at this, and Peyton Manning's somehow going to win this game, guys. It's going to be a really low scoring game. I, I look at this and. Every fiber and ounce in my body says Carolina is going to absolutely just destroy um, Denver. But I, I look at it, and I look at 
you're right. This Denver defense is as good as Carolina's defense. And, and so what's going to happen? Somehow, some way, Peyton Manning is going to make a play, win this game, and walk out. So I'm going to take the Denver Broncos 20, the – what's that team they're playing? <laughs> the Panthers 17. Oh, my God. Um, in a defensive battle, Aqib Tlaib is going to do his best um, – Ty Law pick six it back, and it's going to be tied 17 to 17. And Manning is going to drive down the field and let Brian McManus kick a field goal from 47 yards out with seven seconds left to win. Sounds awful a lot like Super Bowl 36 with Tom Brady, but storybook endings happen, and, and that's what's going to happen. So, listen, guys, this has been a lot of fun, and I'm going to let both of you guys say goodbyes on, on our final podcast here for CLNS radio. But I, I just really would like to thank, first of all, Patrick, uh, you're a dickhead. Um, but you. I still love you. I still love you. Um, all those years doing the Patriots post game show with you. Um, you know, it started out, it was, it was excellent. And, um, you know, Bobby, you stepped in, um, you know, a year and a half ago with, when, uh, our good friend, Bob Snowden, uh, needed to step away from the Patriots beat podcast, and, uh, you know, he was a great co-host with me, but I, I finally got a guy who I could, um, you know, work with all the time in, in you, Bobby. And it, it was great. So why don't, uh, why don't you guys say your goodbyes to CLNS radio and, uh, and we'll go from there. Well, I'll go first. I'll let Bobby, uh, get the final, uh, reign in the parade. But, uh, you know, I started on CLNS radio back in two. 2013, you know, coming up on four years now or three years now. It's pretty crazy how time flies. I'll never forget uh, the, the summer of 2013. I helped launch the Bruins post game show as a way to help get a Patriots post game show going. I remember Nick Jelso at the time told me that uh, we were going to get the Patriots post game show green lit. It was going to happen. I was pumped. I was excited. And then a couple weeks later, they tell me, yeah, we brought this guy, Jeff Kane, and he's going to help you do it. And I was thinking, what the hell? I finally got my Patriots postgame show that I could run. Now they're giving me this baboon who's going to come in and ruin my show and stop and be, you know, being a friggin' idiot. And I'll never forget that we did, we did a preseason uh, postgame that year. I believe it was against Detroit. And you came in and you were saying, you know, screw Josh McDaniels. He sucks. And you were giving me shit because I was hating on Tom Brady. He's the greatest quarterback of all time. You're a fucking idiot. You're a young idiot. <laughs> Blah, blah, blah. But honestly, I can say it was the best three years in the postgame show with you, Jeff. Unfortunately, we didn't get to do it as much this year as we did in the past, but there was nothing better. I forget who the page. I think it was a Jets or Dolphins game last year, and um, somebody called in. You were calling me on the air a fucking idiot because I was going <laughs> after saying they should take out Rob Gronkowski and rest him. And we had another guy call in. Uh, Pat Gazette called in, and he called me a fucking idiot. <laughs> and that's my my lasting takeaway from the Patriots post game show. I want to thank Nick Jelso, Sean Backey, Ty Ray, Brandon Paul initially for you know letting some nineteen year old idiot at the time um, talk his mind and talk Patriots football. It's been a blast, and uh, I'm glad to have been able to share these memories with the both of you. Yeah, Patrick, we started around the same time. I joined in the summer of 2013, and it was really just supposed to be another platform for writing but how much this whole Patriots speed division has evolved under Jeff is something I never could have predicted and then when the opportunity arose to join him on the podcast I jumped at it and again 
that was really just something to do recreationally. But here we are. Next thing I know, we're getting sponsorships. Jeff gets credentialed to go cover Patriots training camp. Initially, we were credentialed to go to the NFL draft. So, you know, we're getting guys who have won Super Bowls with the team on and some of the biggest names in Boston sports media. I never could have imagined this little side project growing into something so big. So same names that you shouted out, obviously you two, and then Ty Ray, Sean Backey, Nick Gelso, Brandon Paul, just so many people who made this such a larger, more impactful experience than I ever anticipated. Uh, guys, I, uh, I will sentiment right back with you guys. And, and, you know, when I was brought aboard for CLNS radio, I had a, a little podcast known as Patriots goal to go. Um, you know, my, my buddy, Mikey P and I, um, we took a chance, I talked to Nick Gelso and, and some of the other guys and, and, and they said, Oh, why don't you come aboard? So we started podcasting on, uh, I think it was June 30th. And, and our first show, we had former Patriots linebacker, Ted Johnson and uh, Ian Rappaport of NFL network on, uh, our first show. And from there, it was just an unbelievable ride. Um, you know, uh, Mikey left, uh, shortly after we had, uh, I had a co-host of, of Chris Hogan, um, you know, Hogsy and I, we, we tried it, but it didn't quite work out. Uh, Patrick, uh, I can't thank you enough for all the, you know, Patriots uh, post-game shows. And that's really what led to Patriots Beat. Um, you know, Patriots Beat started uh, Super Bowl Sunday two years ago um, when I was, uh, you know, asked by Nick Gelso, Sean Backey, and Ty Ray to take on the um, the Patriots Beat, you know, podcast, and and uh, which was just a phenomenal thing. Our first thing was, uh, you know, I had a Seattle writer and a, and a Broncos writer on the show and I did it myself. And, uh, as I said, Bob Snowden stepped in and, and, and from there on out, but, uh, it's been one heck of a ride. And I have to thank, you know, Sean Backey, um, for putting up with me, uh, many times, uh, as I can be a whiny little bitch. <laughs> you can say that again. <laughs> I, I, you know what? I'm a very demanding person. Uh, I asked for the world and I usually get it. Uh, but, uh, you know, Nick Gelso, thank you very much for everything, you know, you did for, for myself um, and, and these guys here as well. Ty Ray, uh, you know, Ty, I have nothing but respect for, um, you know, if we were ever face to face, they probably would have had to break us up a couple times, but uh, just great guys. And, and, and I really like to thank, um, you know, when they put me in charge, when Brandon Paul left and they put me in charge of uh, the Patriots speak crew and, and we really grew um, the coverage into something that was utterly amazing, uh, more than I ever could have thanked, you know, from anyone. But, you know, I'd like to thank Sam Pericolo, uh, Bill Bodell, uh, Billy Wyatt, um, Drew Kennedy, Michael Angie, of course, for doing the um, Pages postgame show ad nauseum this year. Um, you know, both of you guys and, and all the writers that I have already probably forgotten. I, you know, I can't stress enough Bob Snowden, um, you know, and it's just great, great guys. Uh, all all the way around, but it was been a blast. And I'll tell you guys, if if you're out here and you're listening right now, and and you want a place to really turn around and, and become a better writer and a better podcaster, send an email to Nick Gelso, uh, info at clnsradio.com. Talk to him. Tell him you want to you know write about the Bruins, the Patriots, uh, the Red Sox, the Celtics, NASCAR, whatever. You won't regret it. 
Um, you know, so this is Jeff Kane at Boston Fat Guy for the final time, signing out away from Patriots Beat. It is in good hands with all the boys we know over at CLNS Radio. And until then, we'll see you guys on the flip side. Another turning point, a fork stuck in the road. Time grabs you by the rest, directs you where to go. So make the best of this test and don't ask why. It's not a question but a lesson learned in time. It's something unpredictable, but in the end is right. I hope you had the time of your life. So take the photographs and still frames in your mind Hanging on a shelf in good health and good time Tattoos and memories and dead skin on trial For what it's worth, it was worth all the while It's something unpredictable, but in the end is right I hope you had the time of your life But in the end it's right I hope you had the time of your life It's something unpredictable But in the end it's right I hope you had the time of your life